0: Hello, I'm Dave Feinlieb, and this is Beyond the Shelf. This show is an open exploration of the people and process behind e-commerce. Through conversations with innovators in the space, we learn the stories of these leaders and their strategies for e-commerce success. You can join our mailing list and learn more about how we help leading brands like PepsiCo build e-commerce content at scale at itsrapid.ai. My guest on today's show is Jenny Baker. Jenny is Director of E-Commerce Digital Content at Market Performance Group. Jenny is a longtime e-commerce entrepreneur, having run her own e-commerce company for many years. We discuss Jenny's background as an entrepreneur, her focus on digital marketing, and what she looks for in great digital content. Please enjoy my conversation with Jenny Baker. Jenny, so great to see you today. Thank you. Well, I'm really excited to talk with you. We've done a lot of great work together. And take us back. How did you get your start in this space?
1: Okay, that's an interesting story. Way back in 2010, I was a distributor for a skin cream. And I asked the company if they would let me list their products on Amazon and eBay. They had no idea how to do this. They had no UPC codes. They mostly sold at street fairs and through their own website. And that's when it all started. Well, by 2014, we noticed that there were quite a few additional distributors that got wind of e-commerce and caught onto this and i got my first hand experience of buy box issues and pricing wars and so a friend and i got the sole usa distributorship for a natural skincare brand from south africa and we started facing some interesting challenges as 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 we try to launch this in the usa from trade show expenses to unauthorized sellers taking our product and listing it against us on Amazon. And so I started to explore the option of actually creating my own brand, really small micro brand where I could really control the distribution in every aspect of the brand. And that was probably the most challenging and the most rewarding um, school in e-commerce when I did that.
0: That part of building your own brand.
1: Mm -hmm. Definitely.
0: When you think about the challenges and the rewards of doing that, tell us a little more about that. What are some of those challenges and what are some of the rewards when you look back on, on those days?
1: I think some of the rewards of when you start making that first sale and then it starts happening to be three sales a day and then ten sales. Is a day. is that
0: not the best moment? That very first sale? It's so hard. And then you get it. And I find it to be, I don't know about you, but extremely validating in a way.
1: Very, very validating. Um, yeah, and just learning the entire aspects of it, you know, from quality control and manufacturing to um, inventory management, price management. um, It really gives you such a deep respect for many of the brands that we are managing at the moment. There are so many aspects to it. But, you know, I must admit back in the day there, I feel you could put anything on Amazon and sell and it's become way more competitive um, now compared to what it was like there. But probably the one takeaway that that I always say um, from having had my own brand is to be retail ready. Are you 100% retail ready for that digital shelf? And just showing up with every T and every I crossed and dotted so that when that launch happens, that it is 100% dialed in.
0: I love it. I love this concept of of retail ready and now you've had this firsthand experience as an entrepreneur. You're today heading up content at Market Performance Group. Tell us a little about your role. What do you what does it look like on a on a day-to-day basis?
1: It's very varied <laughs> because um as an agency, we just work with such a broad range of clients um, from you know, small micro brands or owner-operated brands all the way through to large national and international brands. So it's it's very varied, which is just wonderful because the digital shelf is so different to these um, different brands. Um, I honestly have the privilege to have a great team. There are sort of three verticals, if I can put it that way within and under my auspices and the one is the copy and keyword creation so it's it's very algorithmic orientated um or google search term orientated so it's a copy creation the other vertical is the creative side where we've worked extensively with you david on on that um and and telling the visual story and then on the other side which is very interesting is the syndication side of things um, so yes, there are these three verticals that all work hand in hand in order to assist MPG's clients to have a complete sort of omni-channel approach to to their digital shelf.
0: So a uh, comprehensive view, but also one it sounds like that keeps things interesting. You're, I imagine, constantly learning from uh, from working with all these these verticals, but and with the client base.
1: Yeah. Never a dull day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Never a dull day. I love it. And we've had the opportunity at It's Rapid to partner and work with you on a number of creative projects across many different brands. What kinds of content are brands most focused on today and maybe looking ahead when it comes to e-commerce?
1: You know, I may be on answering this through a biased lens, and and so I'm going to answer this in two parts. I think at MPG, as I mentioned, we we have the honour to work with large CPG brands and sort of smaller owner-operated or micro brands. Each lens is a unique has a each brand has a unique way of looking at content. Newly launched brands or smaller brands are probably the most exciting. Because they only have their content to get them recognized. They don't have that hard earned recognition of a well known brand name. And so they are probably the most receptive to creating consumer driven content and testing it for sales conversions um, and, and retesting and retesting. So they are probably the most invested. Um, and I think enjoy the thought leadership that goes into what we call the image formula um, on on the product display plays. And, yes, there is a formula after analysing thousands and thousands of listings. Um, and so, you know, they really want to be seen and heard, um, especially with the growth in mobile commerce, which, which I now call the C scroll, click model. And, um this model is 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 becoming more and more sophisticated. We've got less and less time in which to make an impression, and so this is an extremely dynamic space um in which we're working in at the moment.
0: I think I have a pretty good idea of what you mean on see scroll and click. I'd love to hear what that means for you, how you think about that, and how that influences the the content story the the thought leadership. So
1: I can go into a bit more detail with this, but often we call it the search engine results page. When that keyword comes in, we get the main image that pops up. The algorithm decides this happens to be the um, products that we'd like you to look at. And so you can either bid on it from a social media point, uh, from from a media point of view, or alternatively, you come up organically. That main image I always consider to be a billboard. You literally have one to two seconds in which to really make an impression. And so that to me is the most important image. Um, and that is the C. The minute that you've got C, uh, your consumer, you know, especially on the phone, will scroll and see which one they like. They will then actually go in and take a closer look at the PDP. Now, Amazon's interesting because because of the social media behavior, and so is Walmart. If we look at these listings from our phone, and I really would invite every brand to actually look at their product listings from their phone with mobile commerce being such a trend, um, I would suggest that the very next image, which is part of the image formula, needs to be benefit-driven. Um, what am I going to get? from using this product. And some brands are extremely smart because they bring in the concept of a benefit in the image and they also bring in the concept of um, a list or icons or even percentages. You know, if the benefit for a skincare product is that it's anti-aging or moisturizing, then putting something like 97% of users found this very moisturizing and so now you're bringing in that kind of proof as well as the actual benefit so it really depends a lot on your category um, but that would be sort of a a formula that I would suggest to start off with Um, is is that main image really optimized for search engine results and um, also having your second image to be very benefit driven.
0: When it comes time for a brand to create great content, they've got their branding, their internal branding and guidelines and messaging. They've got tight turnaround times that they're trying to work with, especially with some of the retailer calendars when it comes to display campaigns, on-page creative, and so on. When you think about these challenges and also the opportunities there when it comes to the e-commerce content what do you see with all these these different brands that you work with?
1: So many brands don't realize how much content they really have that they can leverage on their digital shelf. Often the bigger the brand is, the more their approach to content is siloed. You know, you have your social media team that is great at creating great UGC content, but it's not speaking to the graphics team and the brand manager doesn't know, or the e-commerce manager doesn't know. So I often find that the talent, challenge is having someone who can actually connect the dots for the brand. We do not need to go and reinvent the wheel. You have already a lot of content. Um, and so a lot of brands don't really understand what a treasure trove they are actually sitting on I think there is this perception that optimizing a digital shelf needs to be a new photo shoot with these perfect glamorous models and sophisticated graphics. And that's not really it. I mean, we look at how TikTok has taken over and we look at how Instagram stories are. These are real people. They are not these glamorous models. In fact, they just have it's a...
0: M- much more... It's authentic. It's, it's
1: authentic. It's, it's real. real. Yeah. It's real. Um, yeah. And so I think that's probably something where if one could get to the point where the UGC team that's creating that, when something has gone viral and you've got 10,000 likes or 1,000 likes, let's take that image. Let's put it onto your digital shelf. Let's play with it. The other challenge that I've also noticed really is that often um, brands have this set it and forget it you know they're looking at content from a compliance lens point rather really than from a kind of holistic story it's like i've got six images on amazon whew, i've got a video on amazon whew, I've, I've 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 got the a plus now going on walmart whew, i've checked the box and this to me is now the journey actually starts you've checked the box But now is the time that you bring in um, what is your click-through rate? What is the story you're telling? If we rearrange these images in a different order to tell a different story, what are our conversions at this time? What image was socially reviewed that we want to maybe add? Um, It's such a dynamic space, and I truly believe, I'm quite passionate about this, that a brand who considers content as a vital component to their success strategy is actually going to win the e-commerce race in the future.
0: I love it. There's so much to unpack there. We've got the story for the brand with the multiple image slots and the image carousel. We've got the ability to sort of test out different orders of content, different images, and see what the impact is. And you also mentioned UGC. I'd love to hear more about how does that play into some of the content that brands can, can work with or showcase on the PDP or in their display media?
1: So I think the most important thing is that when you do work with an agency that is doing UGC content or influencer campaigns is to actually make sure that you have the right to use that content. Um, and often this could be the photo shoot you always wanted. It's such a win-win for both brands where you're doing this influencer marketing and you start getting your content. And it looks raw. It looks real. It's what consumers are seeing on their phone most of the time. Interspersing it or bringing it in to your PDP really makes the consumer relate better to your brand. It, it looks more real and authentic, um, and you can sort of build a brand following that way. So to me, I think there's. It's, we're going to see more and more of this trend going along where we're going to see more UGC content on our digital shelves.
0: So a lot of opportunity. We've got some formulas, we've got some elements. We've got this ability to tell the whole story, not just one image. I'd love to switch gears if you're open to it and talk about bigger picture and taking a step back at sort of the strategy here for many of these brands. You work with, as you you mentioned, so many different brands from smaller brands to these these big global cpgs i imagine they they do have a content strategy of course but how are they thinking about their e-commerce strategy in particular and their e-com content strategy are they doing a lot of refreshes or where are they kind of in their in their journey with all these different different formats and and creatives that they they can build today
1: so, Dave, to be honest with you, every brand is at a different stage with their content strategy. Um, and I think our aim at MPG is to assess at what stage is the brand and how can we elevate their digital shelf? So, what we do is we really provide thought leadership. We we create design briefs for their creative team. We we do content audits of their digital shelf. Um, and depending on their resources and budget, we can also do the execution. And this is where we've used It's Rapid in the past. I mean, just yesterday, um, we finished an excellent photo shoot for a really big national brand, that had no product in use images. It's that normal one where you just see the graphics. There's no real person. Or at the end of the day, you they've gone and bought some stock image of somebody smiling, and you just go, "This doesn't really go with your brand." And so, having that opportunity to shoot product in use images with proper expressions, you know, real people was 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 um, really uh, a fun project. And so. Um, yeah, coming back to that product in use I, I always say this is probably one some of the most important images on the digital shelf but i'm finding myself saying the main image is the most important and the second one's the most important yeah i'm going again and this is the most important so I'm really mm. uh,
0: exactly exactly and and tell us the the product and so we've got the just to parse it out we've got our first image there right. tell us what that that's normally your product shot your core shot you talked about the feature and benefits, kind of the starting to tell the story. And then tell us a little more about this product and use idea.
1: So this is just really having a real person using your product, right? Are they putting on the lipstick? Are they putting on the skin cream? Are they using your phone? Product in use in the correct context. I uh, say, so, you know, is it a nutritional shake? For instance, this person has got your your nutritional shake in hand. You can see they're actually scooping. So those kind of things just make it more real rather than abstracted by just using um, what I call stock photography.
0: You've worked with the brand; they've got content to to work with. Now they have their next challenge, which is. I've got to get this content live on on Amazon of course which is a huge focus but I also have social I have other retailers I have retail media all these different assets how are they thinking about that and and how do you help them navigate all those those different paths and and formats and so on
1: Yeah so that's the challenge that a lot of brands have right um especially when they're on many different kind of multiple retailer.coms, sometimes you will find that they will have more of a a compliance approach rather than a holistic approach. And you'll find that their teams are, again, very siloed. You've got the Walmart e-commerce person or you've got the general e-commerce person, you've got the Amazon e-commerce person, and they're not taking these assets and sort of letting them kind of filter through the different kind of retailer.coms. And so this is where we also come in and say, well, your assets on Amazon can actually be repurposed on Walmart. But hang on, Walmart allows this type of image, for instance, what I call a review image. You know, Amazon doesn't, used to, but doesn't anymore. Maybe our story needs to be a review image. Um, or we'll have something like iHerb, you know, which is just so user generated. Do you want to do an influencer campaign on iHerb so that you can get all of that influencer images up there? But there might be one or two that you want to actually use again on your Amazon digital shelf. So um, I think we we we're quite good at actually bringing that all together for our brands. Um, and showing a more kind of a holistic approach because it's not this one size fits all. You know, um, your your Walmart shopper is very different to your DTC shopper. And so harnessing the power of your images for the similar but yet different shoppers across your different retailers is is where we like to think um, we, we bring thought leadership to.
0: I think this is a great insight, and it's it's a nuance that you're getting at, which is that there's the shopper that we're building the content for on that platform or channel, and then there's on the platform itself. What can what are our options? What's allowed? What are the formats? What are the the retailer requirements in some cases that are different from platform to platform. So I think that's that's a great nuance that I think often doesn't get get called out enough is both the the technical, if you will, what can we do? And then also as you highlighted, the the shopper. Who are we who are we marketing to? Who are we trying to inform and, and help educate?
1: And the the technical can get really, really technical. When when I'm dealing with my syndication compliance team I say, I don't want my second image to be the back of the packaging and my third image to be the side of the packaging. Yes, but when you upload it, this is the way they want it. And I say, can we lie about it? Can we say that this is the, the back of the packaging, but it's not so that we can have that as the second image? And they go, no, you did it. So, um, there's, there's a lot of fun that goes in within our team as well with regards to that technical compliance um side of things. Yeah.
0: And if we go one more level on some of the specific tactics, what are some of the key aspects? You know, you have such great insight. I and mean, a while back there we did a fresh Content Fridays episode with you where we looked at specific content on a page. You've seen many, many of these working across these different campaigns and brands what makes for a great product description a great image or a compelling video
1: okay so then on the product description or copy side of things i, I still feel that keyword rich content still matters it's such a fundamental intrinsically linked to to retail media and organic rankings that that one needs to do a very thorough keyword and competitor analysis to form the fundamentals of your copy i call amazon amazon speak and so amazon speak is very different to the remains or the brand voice and the challenge is always to create copy that has both amazon speak into it but appears natural enough and not keyword stuffed so um that's a more deeper dive and and i do feel there's a skill to it and Maybe we can later talk about AI and how AI is helping with that. On on images, I always say this to to the team, and I think um, they're probably so bored with it by now, but ask three questions. The one, is that image visually impressive? If nothing was on that image and you just saw that image, would you say it's impressive? And so impressive in somebody's books is very different to impressive in another one's book. You know, can you see it? Is it clear? Is it not blurred? Does it not have a weird color or lighting? Is it just impressive? Like somebody professionally has taken that image, right? Is, is it impressive?
0: And we've all seen those ones where it's a little blurry or it's pixelated or whatever it is, and and you just get that feeling. You may, might even not know what it is, but it, it throws you off when you when you look at it, and it takes away from the experience
1: exactly and then the second one is do I understand the purpose of this image have a single purpose if it's a dog bed don't show us the benefits that it's soft and you can wash it and then you have the features the size attached to it and that you get different sizes depending on what and that it can fit into a corner and is waterproof let's just keep it simple you know have a single purpose to that image. And then lastly, the third question is, are all the concepts within that image, the text call out, the graphics, the photographs, the photograph itself, cohesive? And if you're at any time unsure, go to somebody and within let them look at it for five seconds, three to five seconds, and then take it away, that image, and say, what was the purpose of that image? And that is how you can test. Are you mobile ready? Have you kept it simple? Did they have to really, really try and read to understand it or not? Um, and so this is br- what brands can very easily do on their own, right? Just show it to somebody who knows nothing about it and say, what was the purpose of that image?
0: And so quick, too, that did you – was it clear in this this really quick time window? So – and an and an easy exercise to do to uh, to pressure test.
1: It's such an easy, simple exercise. And you know, that brings me with regards to your question on video, what what are some of the deep dives? Keep it simple. Nobody wants a massive big ad. You know, I look at the statistics on the back end on Amazon. You have such quick drop off rate on video, yet if you start creating something that is simple, that is quick, even with TikTok and, and, you know, Instagram stories and stuff, the drop-off rate is so fast. So just keep it very simple. Um, use some stock, vi- video stock. Keep it moving um, and keep it, ideally, I used to say it's 15 to 30 seconds. I'm saying bring it down. Bring it down to, to 10 to 15 seconds, if not less.
0: So bite-sized, really, really quick.
1: Very quick, very simple, fast.
0: And the drop off rate when you when you talk about that terminology there, meaning that we see it and if if we don't get it right away, we're we're moving on. We're scrolling past.
1: We're scrolling past. We're probably gonna go to a competitor or, you know, somewhere else. And yeah, that's just the nature of of e-commerce at the moment.
0: One thing I've really enjoyed in our work together is that you have this view of not just the one image that needs to be right or this the few sentences that need to be keyword optimized. You've really been clear that it's about the brand story and it's this whole story that the brand needs to tell through their digital content. Would you take a moment and just expand on how do I as a brand think about that what does that mean for me especially when it comes to to e-commerce and and this this content that I'm creating
1: so not just because I'm I'm in content but but I really feel that if brands consider content creation as an investment rather than expense they're going to be in a different league if a brand comes from the viewpoint that content, especially in the light of mobile consumer sort of behaviour, as this is a crucial driver, as I, I'll keep mentioning in e-commerce success, then how they present their brand story will be fundamentally more strategic because they are going to look at it through a content lens and they will be successful for both the top and bottom of the sales funnel. And so to tell their story, not just visually, but also through kind of copy and the voice, uh, what they want to represent, what are their values. Um, this is going to be what consumers are really wanting to to sort of attach to, something that seems to have value, you know, um, something that is, I feel I'm making a difference or I feel I can relate to those kind of brand values. And all of that is in the content, Right.
0: So much so. So you've got the brand story. One other thing I think would be interesting for our listeners is you talked about this idea of content creation as an investment rather than an expense. And I am sure, like you, many of our brand leaders and e commerce leaders do need to go within their organization and look for budget and make the case that this is an investment. What have you seen be most helpful there when? Articulating that that this really is an investment and it it's gonna pay off in terms of engagement and brand awareness and and of course sales.
1: I think once, you know, it's always so difficult to kind of measure because there's so many moving parts to the digital shelf. But when a brand sees that, hey, we've optimized that main image, and guess what? Your sales have increased. Um 20 30 40%. i think that it starts sort of really settling down and saying okay this is actually an investment this is not an expense and so part of what we do is to actually try and help brands and have tangible numbers to to what is happening you know we we change your digital shelf here on this SKU and we measured it over four months. This is what it was doing beforehand. This is what it's doing now. That seems to really help a brand understand, especially the bigger brands, that, you know, your content or your creatives assets, it is gonna have an impact.
0: It is gonna have an impact. What is a an expected turnaround time and what should brands be be shooting for when they're when they're doing these builds? I think a brand
1: should go to a specialist like a digital shelf specialist. If you're just going to go to a general agency that really doesn't understand the digital shelf, it's going to take so much longer because when they come to us um, from an agency viewpoint, we have seen so many digital shelves. We know who the big players are in the different categories and we know what is, is converting and not converting. So for me, when a client has had a brand audit, um, we would come in, do the competitor research for them, present them, here's the visual story that we feel you need to tell. And then if they say, that's it, can you tell us that story? And depending on the assets, we can deliver it within two weeks and start testing. Um, Is the conversion rate, is the click-through rate um, increasing? But I think I need to bring in this over here and just say that You know, all best-in-class images are all about telling that visual story. We've already touched on this, that as that shopper sort of scrolls through your images, are you telling the right story? And are you telling the right story that your competitors are maybe kind of missing or not telling? The story must not be redundant. Uh, One thing that is a bit of a pet thing that I kind of always go into, and I think, oh, you did not do that. Is when you've got that main image and the very next image is this is our old packaging and this is our new packaging. And I feel like saying seriously, you know, could you just put that lower down the carousel? This is not converting. You know, we we're glad you did a packaging upgrade, and we understand that you don't want the consumer to think that they've got the wrong. But ninety nine percent of folk is not going to actually look at the packaging when they receive it and see that there was a packaging upgrade, and so. That, to me, is is, is really, um, yeah.
0: Well, Jenny, we're looking ahead to the next few years here. So much going on. Of course, we're hearing a lot about AI. I'd love to spend a couple minutes talking about what's coming and what are the big changes you're seeing down the line. What are you excited about going forward?
1: Yeah, so I'm really excited about AI um, I think everybody thought, oh well, within the next six months they're going to take over, right, rewrite your listings, make every graphics designer redundant. You know, uh, it's just going to take over the world, but it's not. It's 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 really um, so specific to to every single field. Like just from a copy creation lens, being able to enter keywords and the description of the product into something like Chat GPT. It's such an efficient way of of content generation and it gets your creative juices flowing. It's, it's also a lot to do with kind of prompt engineering, right? Learning to, to do the correct prompt. But just the other day, we learned that you can do such a quick review analysis of all your competitors and you can harvest those sound bites that your consumer is saying about that product. So let's go dog bed you know, um, for instance, what are the positive, what are the negative reviews, you keep prompting chat GPT, and you get those soundbites, then you take those sound bites and you ask them to write a listing. And then you take the keywords and ask to write the listing. And then you get your most Google search keyword to write the description. And so this is extremely exciting. It's it's, I wouldn't say it's a bit time consuming, but I think once you've got that templated approach, you can really get them to do way more strategic. Chat GPT or AI can do way more strategic work. That would have taken hours to complete. So really, it's it sharpening your tools. That's what it's doing. It's not, it's not taking away your skills. It's just sharpening your skills.
0: It's something that we could do before, uh, but it was extremely time-consuming. Theory. And that's that to me as well is, is the big unlock, which is this mm-hmm. ability to compress that work, look at more of it, and either up the cycle time or do more in that, that time that, that we have.
1: And there's some wonderful companies that are now really sort of popping up everywhere where one can actually, you know, use the power of something like ChatGPT. Um, in order to create listings, and I think Amazon recently announced that it's it's also going to have this ability where you can create a listing within Amazon using AI. So, and images with you, Dave. I mean, you know, it's interesting where we're going with Mid Journey and Discord and Canva AI. Also, it's very exciting.
0: We of course uh, love working with you because we see all the strategy, we see the performance improvements and conversion rates improving for these these clients. And uh, we're delighted to be able to partner with you on that to build and provide platform capabilities and things like that. So really great uh, collaboration. Well, Jenny, before I let you run here, I do have a couple of fun questions that I like to ask when I uh, have guests like yourself on the show. When you do get a few spare minutes outside of work and family, of course, what are what are your your hobbies?
1: I'm, I'm a novice pickleball player, but th- that's really great when you've had a hard day to really whack that ball. Um, so I I do enjoy that. And then on a more kind of mindful way, just yoga and meditation. But if I want to geek out, AI,
0: AI. What better way is there to uh, to geek out these days than exploring AI? So I'm, I'm 100% there uh, with you on that. And if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to find you online?
1: Probably my email, jenny.bakerdmpgnlc.com. I'm always open to letting somebody send me their pdp and ask an opinion if i've got time i would definitely answer it as an opportunity to to optimize their pdp or just to give thought leadership always always open to doing that um and linkedin you know but then i think i'm jennifer baker on linkedin i'm not, I'm not as responsive i should be but i'm way more responsive on on email
0: well jenny thank you so much for spending time with us today
1: David, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for the collaboration. And again, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Um, It's been great talking to you.
0: Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard, please visit our website at itsrapid.ai, where you can find out more about how we're helping leading brands like PepsiCo save thousands of hours a year when it comes to retail media and digital shelf content creation. And don't forget to subscribe to hear more great episodes of Beyond the Shelf. See you next time.